Jeremiah, the 29th chapter, uh, we quote of a particular verse from this from this chapter quite often. You, you, you probably would even know what I was talking about when I said Jeremiah 29 and 11. The beginning in verse 1, it says, Now these are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the remainder of the elders who were carried away captive, to the priests, the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had carried away captive from Jerusalem to Babylon. In verse 4 says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all who were carried away captive. Listen to the next few words here. Whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem to Babylon. Whom I have called. These are the words of the Lord. God's people, they're a portion of God's people. They are now in captivity. They're in a place somewhat of bondage, if you will. They've been carried away from their promised land. And now they're living in this foreign land called Babylon. And But the Bible says, and the word of the Lord to them through the prophet Jeremiah was, you're in this place that you've been carried away to. But listen to what he says. I have caused this. To happen. I have caused you to be, to now be in a place of captivity. Now I'm going to tell you something. This kind of goes against a lot of my theology. This, this kind of goes against a lot of my doctrinal thinking because I, I'm one that believes that, that God, and I choose to believe, and I will continue to always believe that God is the one who sets the captives free. That's God's word. That's what he does. God is the deliverer. God is the one who sets free. And yet, and yet, I'm reading here In Jeremiah, the word of God, the same God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever is the same God who is saying, I have caused you to be in this place that you're at. Now, see, I'm thankful that Granny's wanting to clap at this, but I'm going to be honest with you. That's not something I really want to clap at very much because I don't I don't I don't like to celebrate that kind of thing. I don't know if anybody in this room has ever found yourself in a place of captivity. In one form or fashion or another. I don't know if any of you have ever found yourself in a dark place. In maybe a hopeless place. I don't know if anybody else besides me has ever found yourself in, in, in that valley that it seemed like there was no way to get out of that valley. It seemed like all, you had exhausted all of your answers and all of your solutions. And you were just in that place that where you felt imprisoned. You felt like you had been taken into captivity. I, I've been there. I believe all of us in this room, in some way or another, you found yourself in that place. And here's what I believe the Lord would say to us. Here's what I believe he was saying to the people of Israel, his people. I believe this is what he was saying to them. He said he was simply saying, don't curse your crisis. Don't curse. Don't put an explanation, exclamation point where I've just simply put a comma. Yes, I have caused you to come to a place that you're not very happy with. I I have caused you to be now in a place of captivity, but the story's not over yet. You're just still living in chapter one, two, and three. There's not a the end yet. I'm still working on your behalf. He says, yes, I've caused you to go to this place. And yes, I'm the reason you are where you are today. And yes, it stinks. And yes, it's ugly. And and yet, but while you're there, don't curse this moment in your life because I have the final say. It's not over until I say that it's over. And I'm doing some things. We have to be very careful about the things that we label as bad and the things that we label as good. It seems like we put our human perspective and our human definition on these things. And we think abundance of financial blessings coming in our lives. And we call that good. We call cancer bad. And we hate those things that that come into our lives. Divorce and depression and all these things. We label them and we're so quick to label them while we're still living in that season. But it's not over yet. There's that Chinese proverb that I'm sure many of you have heard before, uh, where where the uh, the farmer he 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 uses that famous phrase to his neighbor, and he says, "Bad luck, good luck, who knows?" That was his response to everything: bad luck, good luck, who knows? He he had he had gotten a new horse. And the horse ran away. And so his neighbor comes and he says, I'm sorry for your bad luck, for your neighbor, for your, uh, for your horse running away. 
And the old, the old Chinese farmer said, bad luck, good luck, who knows? The horse comes back and he brings another wild horse with him. And the neighbor comes back and says, you're so blessed. We're celebrating with you. You're good luck. The farmer responds to the neighbor and says, bad luck, good luck, who knows? While the farmer's son is out trying to tame the new wild horse, the horse bucks him and throws him off and he breaks his leg and the neighbor comes and says, I'm sorry about your bad misfortune, bad misfortune and your bad luck. The farmer says, good luck, bad luck, who knows? The emperor sends, uh, sends, uh, uh, his, his captains through the, through the countryside to, to gather up all the young men to go to war and they can't take his son because of his broken leg. And the neighbor comes and says, good, you've got some good luck. Look at what happened. They didn't take your son. And he says, good luck, bad luck, who label. See, the, the problem in the lesson here and the problem that we have in our lives is that we're so quick to label this particular little season. We're, we're so quick to label the broken leg as a bad place and a bad time. We're so quick to label the new, the brand new horse that God just brought into my life and new, a new means of provision in my life. And we're so quick to label that as good. But the story's not over with yet. Good luck, bad luck, who knows? Only one knows. Only one knows. So don't curse your crisis. All that to say, don't curse your crisis. Kevin, you have no idea. You have no idea what kind of, what kind of turmoil my life is in right now. You have no idea what's going on in my family, in my home. You have no idea the baggage that I'm carrying in my life right now. The deep, dark depression that I find myself in right now. I'm just, I'm just encouraging you today. Somehow find the, find the grit and find the tenacity to, to just not, just simply don't curse the crisis. I know you don't understand it all right now. We don't understand it all right now. But while we're in the middle of it, don't curse the crisis. How many times have I heard people ask the question, how could a loving God allow this to happen? How could this happen? We've seen people literally turn turn away from their faith and literally walk away from the church and, and God and a relationship with the Lord. All, all because something in the natural happened that they didn't understand and they didn't like. And it just they just began to thrice everything that was truly valuable and good in their life. All because they chose to curse the crisis while they were in the middle of it. Verse 5 says... Build houses. While you're in this place of captivity, build houses and dwell in them. Plant gardens and eat the fruit of those gardens. In other words, establish yourself. Be, pour concrete where you are. Be established. Be steady. Be strong where you are. Wherever you are. Whatever the situation is. I hate the job that I'm on. It's a dead end job and it seems like it's going nowhere. But I'm going to plant myself here. For whatever reason this is the place that God has put me. My marriage is falling apart and, and I'm, so, I'm so dissatisfied with the way I'm being treated by my spouse. That is the person that God put in your life and what God has joined together. Let no man put us under. So I'm going to plant my feet right here. I'm going to be established. I don't like everything that's going on right now. I'm not enjoying everything that's happening in my life and in my home and in my marriage right now, but I'm going to plant my feet. I'm going to be established in this place. I'm not going to curse my crisis and I'm going to establish myself. God said, build houses there. Go ahead and establish yourself. This doesn't mean that we have to somehow acquiesce to some lesser than existence. It doesn't mean that we just have to accept the status quo. It doesn't mean that we, we have to uh, go, go along level and, and, and just adapt ourselves to the mentality of everyone maybe who's thinking on a, on a lesser level. But while I'm here, since God has me here for this season, I am going to establish myself here. I'm going to quit looking for the escape route. I'm going to quit trying to find the bigger and better things and quit looking for the greener grass on the other side. The grass is greener where it's watered, folks. So I'm going to plant myself here. I'm going to water this grass. I, I, I'm going to plant my gardens right here. No, I'm not acquiescing to some lesser life. I know God's got bigger things for me. I know he's got bigger plans for my life. I know there's other doors he's going to open. But until those doors have opened, until I've gotten the revelation of the next step that I'm going to take, while I'm here, I'm going to establish myself right here. Paul said it best in Philippians when he says, I have learned. I've learned in whatever state I'm in to be content. 
No matter what's going on in my life and around me, I'm going to be content. I'm going to be steady. I'm going to be strong. I'm going to be established. Whether I'm, whether the chips are up or whether they're down, whether I'm hungry or whether I'm full, whether they're praising me on the streets or whether they are, whether they are, are persecuting me and, and saying all manner of evil against me, whether I'm imprisoned or whether I'm free, I am going to establish myself and I will be content right where I am. Even to be in the dungeon of a prison cell. I'm not going to curse my crisis and I am going to build houses. I'm going to establish myself. I'm going to remain steady. I'm going to remain strong. God's word to his people was build homes there. Plant gardens there. Establish yourself. No, that's not your homeland. No, that's not the ultimate promise that I have for you. No, I've got greater and bigger things for you. And, and I don't want to, I don't want to let the cat out of the bag too quick. But the end of the story is, is I'm bringing you back to the promised land. But while you're there, you're not just in a holding pattern. There's things I want to do in you. There's things I want to do through you. There's things I want to establish in your life while you're in that place. In other words, don't be like a reed that's shaking in the wind, moved by every change that comes along. Because if we're not careful, when we're in that season, when we're in that place of darkness, when we're in that place of hopelessness, when we're in that place of, of, uh, of captivity, if you will, when we're in that place so many times, we're just looking for, for the next place, the next thing, the thing that feels good to me. I don't like how it feels being where I am right now. So I'm looking for something that's going to make me feel better. That's, that's how infidelity happens in marriages is because somehow I feel like I'm not getting my needs met. I'm not, I'm not being fulfilled the way I think I ought to be feel, fulfilled in this marriage. So I'm going to go, it, this person at work, all, they speak all the things to me that no, I wanted to hear. They make me feel better. So I'm going that route. And he's saying, no, you establish yourself even in this place. Am I preaching too hard today? Okay. Golf clap. Thank you very much. <laughs> Tiger is stepping up to the ninth hole. And he's, he's two under par. He says in verse 6, Take wives and beget sons and daughters. And take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands so that they may bear sons and daughters. Listen to this. That you may be increased there and not diminished. That you may be increased there in that place. So many of us, we seem to have the mindset, well, if I could ever be there, I would be blessed. If I could ever get to that promotion, if I could ever be have this kind of status there, then I would be increased. There I would have all the influence. There I would have all the blessings pouring into my life. But God was saying, no, you. I want you to multiply. I want you to grow even right there in the place that you are at right now. Increase there. Be fruitful. Multiply. It's the, it's the same instruction that God gave Adam in the garden. It's the same instruction that he's, he's given the Israelites in this story here. And it's the same instruction that I believe he's given to every one of us today. Grow where you are planted. Grow where you're planted. You say, but it's some pretty rocky ground where I'm at. I'm going to tell you something. There's, no, there's nothing too big for our God. There's nothing too impossible for our God. He'll, he, he'll grow a mighty garden in the middle of a rock bed. I'm telling you, your God can do that. So grow where you are planted. Don't curse your crisis. Establish yourself. Be steady and strong where you are. And grow where you are planted. Don't just establish yourself. If we only just establish ourselves in a place, then what we do is we begin to settle in that place. We begin to accept the status quo. We begin to acquiesce to this, to this lower life and this lesser than life if all we do is just simply establish ourselves there. That we have to do that. It's a necessary component in what we do. But if that's all we do, but what we do is when we do finally establish ourselves and plant our feet in that place and say, right here is where I'm going to build my life. Right here, God, this is where you put me. So this is where I'm going to grow. And we allow the fruit to grow in our lives in that place. Then we see the miraculous hand of God at work in our lives. And God do what only he can do. So God says, don't just simply establish yourself, but I want you to grow and I want you to increase and not diminish even in that place. Verse seven says this. 
and seek the peace of the city where I have caused you to be carried away captive and pray to the Lord for it. For in its peace, you will have peace. Can I just say this? Is I don't know what point I'm on. Is anybody keeping notes? Do you know what point this is? Fourth, fifth point? I'm not sure. But here's my next point. Be the difference maker. Be the difference maker. It, uh, we talk all the time about, about the difference between thermostats and thermometers. The world is full of thermometers. And can I just go ahead and tell you that even the church, the Christian church today, is full of thermometers. It's people that just go around and tell you, here's what the temperature is. I can't do anything about it, but here's what it is. They're just going to bellyache. They're just going to complain. They're just going to say the, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. Everything's bad. They're, they're constantly complaining about, about Washington, D.C. or Baton Rouge or local government. And, and every, you know, this, this, this particular group of people or that group of people or this political party or whatever. And yeah, 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 yeah. Talk, 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 talk. Get on Facebook and blast everybody in the world or whatever they want to do. But I want to tell you something. You're not doing anything but being a thermometer when you do that. Nobody's for us to hear the alarm sound. We already heard the alarm. We see it loud and clear. We all have eyes for ourselves. We all have ears for ourselves. But why can't we be a thermostat? Why can't we be the difference maker? It doesn't make the difference whenever you're just sitting here spewing out stuff all the time. You're a difference maker when you step in there and say, you know what? I'm going to be the salt. I'm going to be the light in the world that so desperately needs it. I'm going to do it with the love of God. Be the difference maker. He says, while you're there, while you're in that desolate place, while you're in that place of captivity, while you're in that dark spot in your life, here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray for peace for those people. Pray for peace for your captors. Could you imagine? Could you just imagine what could begin to happen in our nation, in our world, if the church of the living God would begin to unite and just simply begin to pray for our leaders, whether they're the leaders we agree with, whether they're the leaders we disagree with, whatever for whatever reason, they're the ones that God put there. Because God's the one who sets up and tears down all of that. If, could you imagine if we just began to pray for peace in the hearts and the lives of our leaders and that God would lead and guide every one of them to do what only he can do through them? Could you imagine what a difference that would make? Instead of us just beating the drum, being thermometers, Pray for I've called you to be thermostats. Be the difference maker. Pray for peace. And guess what? When you pray for peace for them, you're going to have peace. And if there's one thing that we all need today, it's the peace of God. We, we, we think we need this or that or the other, or we need this clarification or this revelation or this answer. The truth is, is we just need his peace. So many times I feel like we're just trying to fix the situations in our lives. We're just trying to escape the current circumstance, whatever it is, just looking for something bigger or better or, or somehow escape the, the trial that I'm in when oftentimes God is simply asking us to be the difference, be the difference maker right where we are. Don't curse this crisis. Don't curse this crisis. Uh, 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 be, be established, grow and increase in this place and be the difference maker. Be the one who brings peace. Be the one who brings life. When God's people prayed for peace, peace came to Babylon and peace came to them. Most of the times, we don't need an answer. We just need peace. In fact, can I just say that in most cases, I believe that peace is the answer. So many times I have people ask me the question, I don't know what God's will is. I don't know what he wants me to do. I don't know if I'm supposed to do this. I don't know if I'm supposed to do that. I don't, I, I don't know. And, and there's all this confusion. Well, let me just tell you, God is not the author of confusion. And his plan is not that complicated. And he's not playing tricks with his kids. Well, if they, if they can grab this revelation, then maybe, maybe, maybe they'll find my plan then and is playing hide and seek with his plan. God doesn't work that way. I simply seek his direction and guidance. And can I tell you, I, I'm 44 years old. I've been preaching the gospel for nearly 25 years. I, uh, I've, 
I've, I've, I've, I've been doing this faith thing my entire life. And can I tell you, I've never heard the audible voice of God. I've never had handwriting across the sky. I've never had the billboard leap off the road to me and tell me this is thus saith the Lord what you're supposed to do. But I can tell you how he speaks every single time to me. He may do it different with you. You may be a little more spiritual than I am. And you get those glorious angels singing in your, in, in your bedroom around your bed at night and telling you exactly what you're supposed to do. I know I'm, I know I'm with a bunch of spiritual people here today, but I'm just going to tell you how he speaks to me. He speaks to me with peace, with peace. There's been times, the Bible tells us in Proverbs that there's, there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end is death. There's been times when I said, the door is opening. This is perfect. This is exactly what I'm supposed to do. It all feels right. It all looks right. But then all of a sudden there's a check in my spirit. All of a sudden there's something that says, wait a minute, stop. Hold on. All of a sudden there's just four on peace there. I ought to have peace because it all makes perfect sense. Two and two equals four on this situation every single time. But there's no peace. And then there's been other times when I'm like, there's no way I'm going to do that. <laughs> there's no way I'll ever do that. I'm not, no, we're not taking that step. No way. That, that's, that, that, is, that is insurmountable. There's no way we could ever climb over that mountain. But then there's this peace. And God says, you trust me. And you walk. And every single time he proves faithful and true. Many times, peace is the answer. He said, pray for peace for Babylon, and in doing so, you will find peace. I'm going to close with this. Maybe. No, I'm not going to close yet. I'm just on page 7 of 10. So you're good for a little bit. Grab grab your sandwich out of the purse. We're going to be here another 10 or 15, if that's all right. Verse 10 and 11 says, For thus says the Lord, After 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you and cause you to return to this place. Talking about the promised land. For I know the thoughts. There's that famous verse. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. To give you a future and a hope. See, we love that verse, don't we? We quote it all the time. We speak it over our children. We speak it over our graduates. We speak it over those that, that are venturing off into a new place in their and season in their life. We love Jeremiah 29, 11, but how come we don't read all the verses leading up to that? When God was saying, don't curse your crisis. You're in a dark place right now, and I have caused you to be in this place. But establish yourself. There's things I want to do in you in this place. Grow and increase, even in, the, even in your captivity. Grow and increase there and be the difference maker. Change the world around you. Be the, be the thermometer and not, be the, be the thermostat and not the thermometer. For thus says the Lord, I'm going to bring you out. I'm going to do a great work. I know the thoughts I think towards you. I, I haven't finished writing your book yet. I've already finished writing your book, but you're still living in the middle of the book. You don't see it all right now. So, so I need you to, my next point, trust the process. Just trust the process. Trust the process. Can I just remind everybody in this room today? This is the punchline. All of God's plans are good. All of God's plans for our lives are good. None of his plans are evil. There is no good in him. There is no bad in him. All of his plans are good. None of his plans are evil. All of his plans are full of hope and purpose and a great future. All of them. His plans and purposes are always good. But to us, the process may not always seem or feel good at the moment. But can I tell you that when you can't trust the process, you can always trust the promise. And if we know that the promise is yes and amen, and we know that the promise is true, then let me just go ahead and, and, and fill you in. You can trust the process too. Trust the process. Know what the final say is. 
Declare in those moments of captivity. Declare in those moments where, where it seems like there's no hope. Declare that there will be a good outcome here. For I, he knows the thoughts toward me. He has a great plan for my future. And they are good thoughts to give me a future and a hope. And now I really am closing. Verses 12 through 14, it says, Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and you will find me. You will seek from, from me with all of your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord. And I will bring you back from your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord. And I will bring you to the place from which I caused you to be carried away captive. Listen to how it all started. And now listen to how it all ends. He says, yeah, I caused you to be carried away. But I'm going to be the one who causes you to come back to the land of promise. And when you come back, when you come back, it's going to be a whole different story. You're going to be a new person. You're going to be a new man. You're going to be a new woman. You're going to see things you didn't see before. You're going to hear things you didn't hear before. You're going to understand things that you were never able to understand before. This past Thursday was the National Day of Prayer. And I had the privilege of going down with Mayor Mike in Gilbert, Louisiana at their gazebo and, and getting to share with, with, uh, with some that gathered there that day. And all morning long on that National Day of Prayer, May 2nd, this past week, of course, that famous verse kept coming back to my mind as we began to pray for our nation on that day. And we began to pray for our leaders and our, nation, our national leaders, our state leaders, our local leaders. Second Chronicles 7, 714. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face and turn their wicked ways, then I will hear them from heaven and I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. Can I just say, this is a famous verse. Have you ever heard this verse before? Somewhere you've heard it quoted, you've seen it somewhere? Okay, most everybody in the room. Famous verse. And we love to go to this verse and we begin to talk about all of the problems in our world and how bad everything is everywhere and all of the all of the wickedness and all of the, the bad stuff that's happening. We love to quote this during, during those times. And we almost quote it in sort of this pious kind of way. I'm just speaking for me. Maybe you've never done this. God, if people will just turn to you, if this nation will ever just turn to you, then you'll heal the land. If our leaders will ever bend a knee, and come to you, you'll hear the land. But you know that's not what the verse is saying at all. He's not speaking to the land. He's not speaking to the world. He's speaking to his people. So let's read this a little bit different. If my people, the ones who are called by my name, those people, I'm talking about you and me, talking about all those folk calling on in church houses across this, this parish and this community and this nation today. People who are calling on the name of the Lord. His people. If my people who are called by my name, if they, if they will humble themselves. Notice he's not talking to the world. He's not talking to the president. He's not talking to the king. He, 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 he's not talking to the, to the Democrats. He's not talking to the liberals. Not going to get many amens today. But it's the truth. He's talking to the church. He's talking to his people. He says, if they will humble themselves, and if they will pray, and if they will seek my face, if they'll just quit being thermometers and start being thermostats, if they will bend the knee, if they will seek my face, if they will turn from their wicked ways, I just tell you, I've had some thoughts about people that I disagree with. Can I tell you I'm wrong? I'm wrong. In those moments when I want to criticize, in those moments when either I need to step up and do something about it, or I need to bend a knee or do both. But either way, I'm going to be a I'm going to be a I'm going to be a thermostat. I'm not going to be a thermometer. If my people who are called by my name will themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then, then. 
Here's the only time the land comes into play. Here's the only time the world comes in. This is the first time God mentions those that are unbelievers, if you will. Then I will hear from heaven. And I'm going to forgive their sins. The sins of my people. And then I'll heal the land. Do you hear what I'm saying? In other words, it begins with us and it ends with us. It begins with us and it ends with us. It doesn't end whenever this group of political people decide to turn their mind and change. It begins with us and it ends with us. Then, he said, I will heal their land. If we will just refuse to curse our crisis and not label our current circumstance. Let's be careful what we label our circumstances. This is bad. Oh, it's bad. It's awful. Gloom, despair, and agony. If it weren't for bad luck, I wouldn't have any luck at all. And we label it. We label and we curse our crisis. But if we will refuse to curse our crisis, and if we will establish ourselves and be content, grow wherever we are, content in Him. And if we'll allow, if we'll allow ourselves to grow where we're planted, say, God, I don't know what you can do with this mess, but whatever, I, I'm just going to let you do your work, and I want to grow where I am. And if we'll be the difference maker, and if we'll seek peace, and we'll pray for peace, and if we will trust the process, then, then, as He said in Second Chronicles, then God says, you'll pray. And I'll hear you. It was the word in Chronicles. It's the word. It was the word in Jeremiah. It's the word to you and me today. Then you'll pray. And I'm going to hear you. Because you know why? When you pray from that perspective, you've now come into alignment with me. I'm not saying that God doesn't hear us when we pray. But sometimes we're praying futile prayers because we, we have our own idea and concept of how things are supposed to be. And we're praying. We're trying to manipulate God to work it out that way. And then when it don't work out that way, we're mad at God. But whenever we come into alignment, when we don't curse our crisis, when we establish ourselves where we are, we begin to grow, when we trust the process, when we become the difference maker wherever we are, then we're in alignment with him. And he says, then, when you pray, I'm going to hear you. And when you seek me, you're going to find me. Then I will be found by you. And I will bring you out. I will restore you. I will heal your marriage. I will heal your land. I will life you. I will bring you back to your rightful place. I will do that in your life. Would you stand with me today across this room? I didn't say a whole lot about Granny Daisy before the message today because I wanted to say something now. If you've been around here at Life Church very long, you know that every time Granny Daisy's here, she sings, she sings the house down. She rips those shoes off and she begins to dance across this stage at her 80, 83. And she sings with the one vocal cord she has to the glory of God. And we shout with her and we dance with her. She's been the one sitting over here clapping through this whole sermon today. But can I tell you something? She's living in a place of captivity right now. The one thing that she's always depended on and the one thing that's always gotten her through is her voice. Because she's declared God's word from coast to coast, preaching revivals and touching lives and seeing people healed and delivered and set free and saved. And incredible works that this little bitty lady right over here has done throughout her 83 years of, of her life, giving her a whole heart and life to ministry. And now she's in a place of captivity. Her voice is locked up. She can't even hardly speak come up to her and talk to her right now, you would probably think that she had had a stroke or something was wrong with her. None of that. She's been perfectly healthy everywhere else, but her voice is gone. But on the way to church this morning, I had to listen very closely. She said, you know what? The Lord woke me up this morning. She brought, he brought Job to my mind. And how that conversation that happened between Satan and God and how that Satan said, there's one there's one that if you, if, you, if, if you take everything away from him, he'll surely curse you. And God says to him, says, you go ahead and do whatever you want to. I'm taking my hand off of him, but you can't take his life. You can't take his life. You 
You can't take that. You can't take those arms and hands away. You can't take my feet away. You can take my voice. You can do what you want to, but you can't take my life. And she said those famous words. He said, though he slay me, yet will I Yet will I serve him. Yet will I praise him. Yet will I worship him. Jeffrey Armstrong sitting over here in this church house on Sunday morning says, Though he slay me, yet will I praise him. Yet will I serve him. All across this room today. I don't know what yours is today. I know what Granny Daisy's is. I know what mine is. But I want to tell you something. He promises that he will set free. He will deliver. That was the final word. I trust the bring you back. I'm going to bring you back, but let me do in you what I want to do in you. So let's trust the process. This morning, I I promised my mother-in-law today that we would do this. I want us to have special prayer for Granny Daisy. Bruce and Lori, you got some anointing all this morning with you. I want y'all to come, if you will. Anyone else that wants to join us. Here's what I want to do in these last few moments that we have together. I want to open this altar up. And you may be going through a dark season or a dark place in your life right now. We're just going to trust God today. We don't do this kind of thing very often, but I'm going to tell you something. We still believe on the, on the power of laying on our hands. We still believe in the power of agreement. We still believe in a, in a miracle-working God. We're, we're, not cursing the, we're not cursing our crisis. We're, not, we're, we're, we're staying steady and strong where we are. We're trusting the process, but we know that he has the final say, and so that's what we're looking to. We're looking to the author and the perfecter of our faith, our healer, our redeemer, our deliverer, our restorer, our all in all. So I want to ask Granny, if you will, just make your way right up here to these steps, if you will. And if you're in here today and you want prayer today, I'm going to invite you to come. We're going to believe with you today. We're going to pray with you today. We're going to come into agreement with you today, whatever it may be in your life. And we're, we got an amazing prayer team here that's going to lift you, lift you up today. They're going to be with you. They're going to lay hands on you and trust God with you today. And as they pray and as we sing, I want to ask you just to stretch your hand forward. If you remain in every one day and believe in faith with us today for God's miraculous work, his hand and his power in every one of our lives today. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your peace, God. Today, God, we declare your word over every life, over every situation in this house, God. Every, every broken and destroyed relationship, every home that feels like it's falling apart, God, we declare your healing grace and power, your restoration today. Do, God, what only you can do. God, every care and every worry that's here today, we give it to you. We know today and we declare today that you have the final say. You have the final say. We may not understand it all right now, but God, you have the final say. And we're trusting you today in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name.
me let me just say something right here. I, I just feel a real unction to do something today that we don't, I don't know that we've ever really done this before, to be honest with you. But I feel led today. We're going to dismiss the service in a little bit different way than we normally do. Um, we want our graduates and your families to uh, very discreetly make your way to the fellowship hall. we got lunch prepared for you today. We're going to dismiss in just a moment. As we do, I just ask you today to leave in a little bit different way than you normally do. And I'm going to ask our prayer team just to remain here today with us today. And as we're dismissed, we're going to continue to sing together. And um, if you just feel led to stick around for a little while, we're just going to have a little ministry today. Our church family gathering together. Maybe maybe you just say, you know what, I, I, I don't want to make a spectacle, but I just, I, I, just, I just want to hang around a little while today. And I just want, to, just want to seek the Lord for a little while today. So we're going to do that today. That's how we're going to dismiss. And as you leave today, as you leave today, and as those that maybe linger today and pray a little longer and to seek the Lord for a little longer, I want us to lift up our, our Kimbrough family today, Tommy and Kim, as we'll be laying to rest in just a little while. Miss Mary Kuyper, such a shock that came this past week to that family and to that community, this community. But, uh, but we know that God is undergirding them. I've been with them the last couple of days, and it's such a beautiful thing to see God's presence surrounding them and hope in their lives. So remember them as you leave today. But let's just, let's just, let's just be dismissed kind of soberly today, if you will. And we'll have some fellowship time outside, but I want us to, I just want us to have a time of ministry. If you're here today and you still want to come and just, just seek the Lord for a little while, you want our prayer team to pray with you. Don't leave so fast. Take a little bit of time and let's do this today in the name of the Lord. God bless you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.